Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Welcome to another episode of Mean Ages. I am Madeline West and I am here with my learned friend, psychologist Angela Murray. How are you this week, Ange? I am pretty well, to be honest. You're pretty well. What more can you ask for? Do you know what I just did this week? I was very lucky to go down to Sydney and work with the Red Cross with the Young Parents Program, which is this incredible initiative by Red Cross for very young people who are starting a family, who now have children. The majority of the cases were aged between 13 and 17. Now, for any parent of teens, that's quite an eye-opener. And it's quite apt that today's question is very much related to precisely that event. Let's take a listen. So my teenage daughter that has to go on a pill and I'm I'm thinking that means she wants to have sex. Um, I'm just worried that, you know, is she ready for it and and will she be safe? And not really sure what to do. So, Ange, off the bat, in your clinical experience working so intimately with teens, does offering contraceptive encourage promiscuity or encourage our teens to want to go out and have sex? I don't know. You could actually ask, this just come to my mind, does wearing a seatbelt ask for a car accident? It's well, it depends how anxious you are, really. <laughs> how yeah. defeatist you are. It's sort of, if I'm going to put something in place for safety, does that mean that I'm going to drive my car into a tree? It's sort of, if I'm going to take the pill... Or if I'm going to let my child take a, a birth control, is that making it more likely? Permissible or? That they're going to do the activity? Mm. But what? it's something that I think I, I know that I would certainly think. That yeah. if, you're, well, if you're asking for it, that means you're going to have it and I'm not ready for that yet. Well, a lot of girls or teens on contraceptions are taking it for their hormones and their skin. Yes. That's a huge quantity. So, and I think a lot of them then want to take it because their friends are taking it. There is actually not that many teens that are desperate to have sex as it stands. They think, really? They think that they should be having sex. There's a definite 
everybody else is doing it and uh-huh. I should be doing it yeah. vibe. But when you really ask them all the questions, they don't really want to have sex. They just don't want to not be the only one not having sex. So it's FOMO. It's teens suffering from FOMO. Look, we're all humans. <laughs> and look, let's be honest, it carries on for the rest of our lives. It's almost like a competitive sport. But do you have any stats on what the reality is? Just to reassure parents out there listening, what is the reality of teens and the proclivity to be having sex? Like what age do they generally start having sex? Okay, so will they start talking about it with their peers from primary school? They start talking. The word sex is in their vocab. Yep, I still remember that Encyclopedia yep. Britannica. It's in there. Boobies, looking up what penis was in the dictionary. Oh and Madeline is still uncomfortable saying the word penis. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine how uncomfortable your teen is if they'd like to come and ask you a question about vaginas or penises. Because oh. we are still uncomfortable. But the stats it's are... It's still such a taboo. It is still such a taboo. And the stats are that, yes, they're talking about sex from a very young age and they're getting their information from other children, from other teenagers. And so... So what are other teens saying they're doing it when they're not? Other teens think that other teens are all doing it. So needless oh, to gosh. say, for the out of fear of rejection, they will suggest, if not say directly, that they have or have been close to having intercourse. Right. But when does, as a general rule, and this might be a very broad brushstroke statistic, when do teens generally have penetrative sex for the first time? And I'm talking like not oral sex but, you know, body parts in other body parts that include exchange of bodily fluids. Was that technical enough? Everyone watching Madeline talk about sex. This is my (laughs) new favourite thing. (laughs) So whatever makes us less uncomfortable if we need to sing, whatever. Uh But they're not having sex on average until 17 or 18. Really? Well, one of them or two of them probably had, but the majority, no. The majority would have been kissing, a little bit of touching, and not even a huge amount of oral sex. That's still later in teens as well. So how old were you when you first did? Well, I was thinking that, and I remember thinking I was quite late off the game, and you couldn't get more traditional like it was on the night or was it was not long after my debutante ball, oh which I did, God. with my, I'm not even going to say that out loud because no one needs to know who it was, <laughs> but it's it wasn't like I did my deb, so I was 17 and then it wasn't long after that because I remember the whole process. It could have been even the after party, but so I like was right very textbook. Yeah. The deb was like, well, on your deb, you've got a partner and you're all dressed up. And it and literally so- was that, let's get this over and done with. That oh was my the gosh, thought. so we can say we've done it. Well, just so I've ticked that box and I don't have to worry about being the girl that's the last to have sex. Oh, gosh, our poor teens. I've got to say, poor teens. I was 21. Huh, there you go. And the reason that I waited so long was not for, for want of experiencing it, but I'm the child of very young teen parents. So I willfully said, I do not want a boyfriend I don't want to kiss anyone until I know precisely who I am. So my first kiss was at 20 and I actually performed sexual acts on TV before I'd actually done the deed. And that was actually probably a really safe protective factor because the more we talk about sex and the more we're aware of sex with our teens, the later they're likely to have it. Yes, the more we talk about it and normalise it. 
So it's this, not this expectation that everyone else is out there doing it. I mean, I wouldn't suggest that you do it on a TV show before you actually do it because then you're thinking, well, I need How a gaffer and a lighting guy show? and a cameraman and that takes you into a whole other category of sex that we don't want to encourage our teens to enter. But, but it means it wasn't a taboo for you. It means you spoke about it and so yes. there was this comfortability around the topic so you can delay in that sense. The more we talk about it, the more the frequency of the conversation and the variety of we top topics that we cover around sex, like anal sex, touching, other ways to experience pleasure and intimacy, which is actually what they're seeking, the more we talk about that and the more we discuss it all openly and freely, the later they are actually going to have intercourse and the more they're going to feel empowered to make choices that they want to around what they're exposed to and what they experience. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I think that is such an important point because, as we've seen historically, for kids out there who may feel an urge in a different direction and curiosity around sex is completely normal. It's how you figure out what you want. But there can be a lot of pain and a lot of trauma to find what it is that you actually need in terms of a sexual engagement. How do we ease up the conversation around things like, you said, anal sex and experiencing sexual contact with people of the same gender? How do we normalise the whole batch of sexual interaction. We talk about it. Talk about it. And at the crux of the things, before we talk about it, we talk to ourselves about it. And we get clear on what we fear for our teens. We get clear about what our values are around this, actually. And what our biases are. What our biases are and our judgy parts. And so we can really realise what's mine when I get uncomfortable talking to my teen and do some research, read about it, read about the different ways that you may have avoided about having sex and touching and things that you may not be comfortable with or you may be excessively comfortable with and starting to realise, okay, what's my story and what are my expectations or fears for my teen? What am I trying to protect them from? Because the fact is sex is how we all got here. It is how we all got here. I don't know, I've never understood why we stigmatise it and make it so taboo when... Biology suggests that when a girl starts menstruating, that's when she's ready to have a baby. Now, we know that that is not the case, that the body is not yet ready to pass a baby through the birth canal of a 14-year-old body. But those urgings, that biochemical desire is already in place. So how do we make it safe? We normalise it. We We normalise it. We talk about it. And we talk about birth control. We talk about... STIs, we increase their understanding and their knowledge because you want them basically, when they think they're ready for sex, to be able to answer basically like a sex exam. We want them to know, can a girl fall pregnant when she's not ovulating? We want to know, the girl and the boy to know, can a boy impregnate a girl when he does the withdrawal? Can pre-cum impregnate a girl? Product of 
product of the rhythm method over here. <laughs> See, we want them to know all of the things. And the yeah. more that they know, the more likely they're going to use birth control or condoms and prevent themselves from getting STIs. Yes, and the more empowered they will be in their choices. Do you find clinically that there is still a lot of, I don't, I hesitate to use the word ignorance, but it, it makes sense here. There is a lot of ignorance about the way the body works. I find that with adults and teenagers, and, yes. Okay, so where in terms of sex, where are there any areas where you feel teens really have no idea what's going on because they're not being handballed the knowledge from their parents? Pretty much all, all of the, the regions. Thing. Like some teens get really great sex ed from their parents, but what I find a lot is that parents give, when I'm talking to parents, they think they need to give their teen the sex talk, Yeah. A, Which just makes us all inwardly clench. I know. Can you feel that? Just clench? thinking about it, and because awful to do it. Like obviously, here's a lecture on something I'm clearly uncomfortable with, and I'm not an expert on, and you're not respecting me because you know I'm not an expert, <laughs> and you also don't want to envisage me as a sexual being. Well, that's it. How do we role model <laughs> normative sexual practices when crikey, our teens don't want to see us strolling around the house in lingerie? No, or that would talking be about our sexual experiences with our partner or their father or their mother. How do we, you know, how do we normalise it? How do we open up those conversations and make them normal? Do we need to get videos? Do we need to start looking at... Oh, look, Madeline, now we're getting... Now you're making me uncomfortable. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Ange. No. Um, oh, it's just such an awful thought to watch a biological video with my children. This is the thing, the model that we're told that we should do, like make it an official educational experience. It's like, it's not, I'm not an educator. I'm here to have conversations with you. I'm here to explore this topic with you. And I am totally open to talking about this as I am about your mountain bike tires. Yes. You know, and your drink bottle. So is part of that being completely honest about your sexual experiences? Or do you need to edit it? It will depend on the family and the type of communication that you've had thus far. But if you've had a pretty closed sexual relationship in conversation with your child, like you've not really spoken about it before, to suddenly launch into you and your sexual exploits, it's going to make them feel extraordinarily uncomfortable and shut down the topic. Start with little things like shows or, you know, or I hear so-and-so's been dating them for a while, you know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Have you wanted to have boyfriends? Because what we're wanting to start the conversation around is intimacy and relationships. Yes. And then as we talk about intimacy, it's like, oh, well, you know, what level are they at? And like, what ways do they show intimacy? Does she talk to you about it? Or have you wanted to move closer to your girlfriend? You know, do you feel like you want to be closer to her and you can't figure out what that is? Because is that what teens are seeking? I mean, like all of us, we talk about sexual desire, but it's all about that intimate build-up. It's the hand-holding, it's the kissing, it's the touching. That's what we seek. Mm. That's what we seek is the closeness and intimacy. But then the expectation kicks in. And there was this hilarious, this is no, this is preteen, but it just cracked me up so much. This girl who was in year five came home to her mum and she's like, mum, I need to have sex. And her mum's like, what? I'm sorry, what did you just say? She totally held her cool, I have to say, and she managed to get her daughter to keep talking, which was very impressive. But her daughter said, well, I've got a boyfriend now. And the girl said, well, the next thing you have to do is have sex. <gasps> And relationship goals. That was that was it. Now you're in a relationship. Now you're moving towards sex. And even girls in year seven will talk about this 
process of once I've got a boyfriend, where we're moving towards is sex. And it's like where you're moving towards is trust and intimacy and closeness. But it was hilarious. The mother went and gave her that book, um, Where Do We Come From? And she just popped it on her bed while they went out after letting her know she didn't. And the daughter walked out about an hour later, threw it at her mother and said, this is so inappropriate. I cannot believe you gave me this book. (laughs) So it was absolutely a real reflection of I cognitively do not know what I think I desperately need to have. I don't actually understand it. And I find that in young teens, Mm. they will refer to it as the sex sex. or having the sex sex. like it's a a new game that you can download. (laughs) Honestly, mid-teens are still pretty miffed as to what it really is about and they still think it's something they just have to achieve, like a certain level in a game that they have to tick off in order to achieve something. to be acceptable. And And we have to accept that that part of that is having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. We don't want ignorance. We definitely want educators of comfortable. We really want teens that are willing to communicate with us about their worries, their thoughts, their wonder around it so we can make them feel comfortable and they can get more clear that some of their expectations are out of line. So is it ever healthy? Like we said earlier, there can sometimes be this perception that if we allow our teens to go into contraceptive to avoid pregnancy, we are in some way encouraging them to have sex. Is part of this having the conversation about the what ifs? Yes. The minute they talk about sex, the conversations which you're already having wonderful parents with your child about sex include Mm. things such as, for example, I've read someone's specific sentence was, I understand that you're wanting to feel more grown up. Is there other ways you can do this without having sex? Or if you have sex and something happens, like pregnancy or an STI, what do you think the possible outcomes are there? Let's play it out for a minute and let's look at what that looks like because I'm not going to avoid that topic with you because that's a reality. And if that's a choice you want to make to have sex because we can't control our teens and we have to think about what can we control, which is the information they have and the decision-making processes they have. So we say, are you prepared for that outcome? And if you're not prepared for those possibilities... Are you willing to then choose that behaviour? And starting at the very beginning of the onslaught of Mm -hmm. sexual activity and sexual curiosity, to make your teens comfortable, is there value in talking to them about their genitals? Because teens often have questions about, is it normal that it's this size? Why is this doing this? How do you normalise conversations, their normal, natural, curious conversations about their body How do you encourage those conversations? Well, you open them. You say, look, body parts are pretty weird. I remember going through adolescence. It's a pretty crazy time. And I remember thinking I had no boobs compared to everyone else. And I was wearing this bra, even though I had no boobs. And basically everyone looked like women and I didn't. Or whatever the conversation is, start it and say, you know, are you okay with your body? Is there any bits that you think are weird or not weird? Or is there any questions? And then offering, if you're not comfortable to talk to me about it, Do you have anyone else that you are? Like, is there any other adults? Do you want me to book you in with the GP? Do you want to go to chat it with the school counsellor? Is there anyone you'd like to actually chat about it? I'm totally here and I'm open to talk about it. But I get that it's also your choice who you talk to. So is there value for those parents who've got young teens or tweens even to start creating role models for them, encouraging 
encouraging people they can access on a regular basis that can be their go-to when the idea of having these quite frank conversations with mum and dad or mum and mum or dad and dad or grandparents is just too much. Yes, definitely. And also really reminding them of the confidentiality with their GP if they can um, talk to their GP about that, like what can their parents know and not know depending on what age they are, Mm. really getting clear on that because a lot of them won't share information which would be really helpful to share because it's a family GP and they're afraid that mum will get told straight away. Of course. And they want to be the one that choose when and how they tell mum. Mm. And sometimes, yes, the GP will tell mum, but it will feel a little bit separate if they know there's some parameters of confidentiality. But yes. they just need to know what they are. And there's no greater betrayal for a teen. We Sometimes we tend to see them still as our children and so therefore we should have complete access to all of their secrets and all the information about them. But... They're becoming young adults and what they consider sacred, we have to respect their boundaries. We do have to respect their boundaries and there's so much we have to respect as parents of teens, especially around sex, their sexual orientation, their sexual exploration, even if it's, you know, switching genders and switching back again. It's not judging them for their fluidity or their lack of knowledge of who they are because teenagers is all about figuring out who am I. We'll be back next week with more Meanagers, but you can keep the conversation going by joining us on Instagram. We're Meanagers Podcast. You'll find a link in the show notes and in our bio to help you leave a voice message about your Meanager troubles so you can be part of the show. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.